10 to 1, episode 125. Moral Dilemmas 2, Melissa Strikes Back. Welcome to 10 to 1, a podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything, sometimes twice. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And we just might make this a running series, yeah. depending on uh, how well these are received, I guess. Nah. Uh, I guess, yeah. If we like them, we'll do more. <laughs> I did have a bunch of dilemmas to choose from. Okay. Yeah, I have a few. If we ever wanted to do a part three, could probably uh, pass it back around, pass the ball back over to my side. But why don't you, uh, why don't you let them know what we're doing? All right, so... Back in episode 32, wow, we did a Moral Dilemmas episode where you threw a bunch of scenarios at me with tough decisions, and I got a little frustrated in that <laughs> one because I wasn't allowed any wiggle room. I had to make one of two bad choices, mm-hmm. and so That's I'm hoping to turn part. that back on you. Okay. We'll see. I'm sure you'll have very easy glib answers for all of these. You've already thought them through, I'm sure. Right. Uh, Now, some of my material comes from a book I've been reading called The Pig That Wants to Be Eaten. 300, not 100 Experiments for the Armchair Philosopher by Julian Baghini. And... Mm. Uh, if you go on Goodreads, I gave it three stars because it's a middle-of-the-road book. Hmm. Uh, it's got some dumb uh, scenarios in there where he's just making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, there's, I mean, there's no dilemma there or nothing really interesting to think about. Others, though, are really interesting. So, I mean, it all kind of balances out in the 100. And who knows, some of the ones that I think are really interesting, you might think there's no quandary there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Others, you know, that I dismissed, you would right. latch on to. So, right. uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. And if you enjoy this type of philosophizing, you could go check it out. And so, that was some of what I... Uh, perused for this episode. Some of it I came up, I thought up on my own. Uh, but most of these have a movie or a book or or something in real life that has brought it up. Hmm. Made me oh, think of how would you respond in this scenario? Okay. A little bit less. I think mine are a little more real life. As opposed to yours. Mm-hmm. Right. Mine were kind of stripped down. Well, you would enjoy reading The Pig That Wants to Be Eaten. Mm-hmm. He likes to do the uh, very narrow view. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how you sometimes get it down to a an either-or indeed kind of a thing. As opposed to, oh, I'll just do this third option. <laughs> or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I was looking through all of our podcast and seeing or all of our episodes and i think not counting the two book reviews that we did on hugo's there where i mean really there's only one of us on the podcast i think this is the the biggest ratio between 
or the biggest difference between amount of work one of us has done in preparation. Oh, yeah. Uh, between the two of us, because I've done no preparation, did not read the book. You read an entire book. And I have, yeah. Spent I, time on it afterwards. Well, and so. before, too. Like, yeah. I've kind of been working on this ever since the last episode. Wow. Now, anytime that I thought, oh, that is mm -hmm. definitely worthy enough to try and test you with, uh, this is possibly the most work I've ever put into an episode. Wow. So we'll okay. see if it falls flat on its face on nah. my end, or we'll just see how it goes. All right. All right. So. Number 10, I'm going to call the Cyberman. Okay. Okay, so you have two choices in this uh, scenario, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do that for most of them, mm -hmm. uh, like you did with me. There's a few I'll, I'll allow to be a little more open-ended. Okay. But in this one, you are in a... Your body is a vegetable. Your mm -hmm. mind is still very active, and doctors can tell... You know, you're not dead or, you know, there is still a lot of brain activity. You're just as aware as okay. as you are right now. Mm -hmm. But your body is a complete vegetable. So you can live or I mean, there might be a little bit of functionality. You can blink your eyelid or something like that. Okay. Um, but that's about it, which there is a, an actual scenario where. That that happened to someone, and he wrote a book mm. just by blinking his Crazy. eyelid. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so you can live in your body as a vegetable. However, science has advanced to the point to where they can uh, upload your uh, your mind. So mm -hmm. they've stu they can study your brain, your thought patterns, and everything, mm -hmm. and they can upload your mind and and all of your emotions and so forth, the way you think, yeah. into an android. Okay. Um, which it's gonna be deathless. Uh, it you know if it gets damaged in any way, the parts are replaceable. You know. Okay. Uh, so it's pretty. You know, seems pretty clear, right? Okay. What would you choose? Stay in your practically veg vegetative state mm -hmm. or go to the android body? Hmm. Okay. So the question here is, uh, and I'll try and think through these out loud. and Because and... I have some questions uh, mm -hmm. regarding this. And yeah, if right. you want, I'll bring them out for your consideration. Right. Well, let me give my, my knee-jerk reaction. Okay. And... Um, and then we'll, uh, you, you can you can follow up. Uh, so I am not sure if if the if consciousness is just uh, the electrical impulses in your brain, um, and if taking you out of your body, your physical body, would leave you as the same person um, and replicating you into the body. Now, um, I think I might still try it <laughs> um, for science. You know, uh, even if I died and it was a, just sort of like a, uh, a computer that thought it was Brian, mm -hmm. then in the, in the Android... Um, maybe we'd be able to, I, I don't know, maybe we'd be able to tell that somehow, or maybe we'd be able to, uh, 
still um, advance in some way philosophically or scientifically. Um, All right. Well, in this scenario, it is going to work. That's my nature. You're not going to die. Okay. It's going to be you. Like, I guess your soul will transfer over to. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess that's... Okay. So, right. I mean, I guess that that's one of the questions is what is the soul? Yeah, I know. Um, if you transfer I mean, into a... that's what you hope would transfer is your soul. But... Right. Well, what if you... So, now I'm on a... Comp- like, we know for sure that your br- your brain and your thought patterns and mind and all mm-hmm. that is going over. Right. Well, now I'm on a computer... What if they just copy paste me and now there's two? Mm-hmm. Are there two souls now? Yeah. How much of that is still you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say I don't know, and that is definitely a good question. Um it's definitely a good question on if that's still a, a person. Yeah, that um, was one of my questions is how human are you at this point? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so my knee jerk is that I would do it for the adventure of it. Um, but am I still human? I, it's possible. No, possibly no. Burn on your, on yourself. I know. All right. And then is it wrong to do this? Is it playing Mm -hmm. God or Mm -hmm. is it kind of going against God's rules, uh, with the curse? You know, so as Christians, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. believe Mm -hmm. that, uh, sin has had some dire consequences, one of which is death. And then, of course, sure. there's sickness and suffering. But your body is, you know, your android body now is deathless. And you can kind of have immortality yeah. now. I could get crushed by a, a a giant rock or a falling piano or something. Yeah. Um, much less likely, though. Yeah. I um, I don't see a problem, I think, with the the possible immortality aspect in the same way that medicine, modern medicine lets us live longer. Okay. Um, now there definitely be prob societal problems if we all were actually immortal, but I don't think it's inherently immoral to live for a very long time. That's my knee jerk response. Okay. So you would become but a robot maybe. if you could. I, I think I would try it. So, All right. What about you? You've thought about it a lot. So, uh, so what's your answer? My knee-jerk reaction is to shy away from it, actually. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Even if it would be awful to be in a vegetative state. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I might change my mind if I was, you know, as the months dragged on or, or I might just... Right. So who knows? Yeah, if I had no hope of recovery, I don't know that I would want to be kept alive right. indefinitely anyway. Right. So, hmm. well, that's a good one. And that's only number 10. All right. Yeah, I uh, I didn't really put these in any particular order for the most part. Oh, okay. Okay. Number nine is called Living in a Vet. And this one is from <laughs> the pig that wants to be eaten. eaten and it's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we've both seen The Matrix, yep. and uh, that was definitely wrong, what they the machines did, okay. you know, hooking the, the humans up mm-hmm. as batteries, basically. We cry out in outrage at that. <laughs> um, 
But what if there were extenuating circumstances? So this one, this scenario is called living in a vet. And I'm just going to read it to you. Ever since the accident, Brian haha, had Whoa. lived in a vet. His body was crushed, but quick work by the surgeons had managed to salvage his brain. The procedure was now carried out whenever possible so that the brain could be put back into a body once a suitable donor had been found. But because fewer brains and bodies terminally fail, the waiting list for new bodies had got intolerably long. To destroy the brains, however, was deemed ethically unacceptable. The solution came in the form of a remarkable supercomputer. Through electrodes attached, attached to the brain, the computer could feed the brain stimuli, which gave it the illusion that it was in a living body, inhabiting the real world. <laughs> in Brian's case, that meant he woke up one day in a hospital bed to be told about the accident and the successful body transplant. He then went on to live a normal life, never realizing that he was just a brain hooked up to a computer. Okay. Okay. So would that be wrong? Brian thinks youth in mm -hmm. this scenario. In this scenario, I'm Brian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in this scenario, uh, you think that you're living uh, in real life. Yeah. Would, would that be wrong on the part of the doctors to have done that to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, this is the same as there's a dying person and do you tell them something to make them happy? Like, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, what, what an example would be, uh, did so-and-so forgive me before? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or we were in an accident and you died and I'm about to die. And I ask, is Melissa okay? Should the person say, yeah, she's, she's, she's gonna be fine. Okay. Is that okay? That's I think for me it's the same thing, and um, that doesn't necessarily get me any closer to an answer because I don't know off the top of my head how I would answer someone in that situation. Oh, would I, I would lie. Yeah, you tell I'm them. I'm like, the, there's no way you're gonna make it. Yeah, she's fine. Right, she made it. Tell them the the happy lie. Um, hmm, hmm. It's interesting because my. My, even though I said that those are the same situation, rephrasing them in different ways, my gut reaction is the computer thing is okay, but lying to someone on their deathbed when they ask you a question directly is not okay. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. So let's ignore the deathbed question. See, for me, it's one. the opposite. Really? Yeah, I, I have no problem with lying, giving them the happy lie, but I don't mm -hmm. think they should lie to the brain. Right. So you're sort of transplanting a dream. So it's sort of inception. Mm -hmm. So is inception okay? Um, I don't know. My gut reaction is it's okay to trick the brain into thinking that it's still alive. Um, but I don't know. I guess I would have to think about that one some more. I don't know that I can really explain that one. Hmm. I don't know. I guess if I have to choose, I would say it's okay. But then would they then give you like a, a year of mm -hmm. of life and then flip the switch and now you're dead? Yeah, I was just thinking through that I too. Because like, I mean, on the one hand, 
if you don't do that, the brain's not going to know. Like, you know, it says in the scenario, mm-hmm. you suddenly wake up one day in the hospital. Oh, yeah, you've been cured or whatever. You have a new mm-hmm. body. Uh, but until then, the brain has is not really conscious. You know, it's kind of just mm-hmm. working on autopilot. And so uh, the brain wouldn't know any difference. Um, but then it gets into, well, how long is are we going to let it have a happy and normal life before we let it die? Mm-hmm. Are we just going to let it go on indefinitely or until a new body becomes available? What if it never becomes available? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you turn the brain on and you give them the choice if they want to live in a fake world or in a real world. All or right. if you want to live in a fake world or if they want to... Uh, to Would die. Would you live in and a fake if, world or die? I mean, I'd, I'd try the fake world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd give it a shot. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe the Christian thing would be to uh, just turn off. Why that would that point. be Christian? Because it's not lying to the Because it's not really life, I guess. Could you just have. Could you really have. And I guess you could still, uh, I guess you could still pray if you're just a brain in a vat in a fake world. Yeah. But uh, if you die, then now you're reunited with your with a glorified body. Mm. So here's what I would do: I would I would give them the option, uh, fake life or no life. And then if they chose no life, I would give them a fake life where they woke up and it was all a dream. And now they have a fake life, but they think it's a real life. I'm not sure why I would do that. I take that back. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't yeah, save us any a, money. <laughs> a... Never mind. Why did you even bother giving them the option? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess not. Just to mess with them, I guess. You're quite the evil genius. <laughs> so, um, hmm. that's an interesting one. Did you have any other thoughts about that one? Okay. Just wanted to see hmm. what you thought of it. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm ready for number eight. So your your final answer is you you'd try it. I guess I'd try it. I'm you'd trying try to, the lie. I'm up for trying stuff, I guess. <laughs> As the mood strikes you. All right. Number eight is another one from the pig that wants to be eaten called Art for Art's Sake. Mm-hmm. So in this scenario, uh, people have been doing some bigging, you know, doing construction for a hospital. Mm-hmm. As they're laying the foundation, they find a uh, sealed box containing a Michelangelo statue. Mm-hmm. But it's been booby-trapped in several ways, so that if it's ever opened, it will explode. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if they if they open it, it'll explode. If um, you know, they can't just leave it there under the hospital uh, or. In the foundations, because something could happen to it, and then it could explode. Okay. Uh, and that would be bad. So, um, they either have to open it. Try. Uh, let's see. They either have to leave it there and try to build somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, or they have to uh, destroy it so that they can build the hospital. Mm. They can't, but I'm just going to say they can't build anywhere else. Mm -hmm. The hospital has to be built right there. Okay. So, or it would cost a, right, right. Yeah. It it costs too much. Yeah. They already bought the land. There's not really any option to move it. Sure. Okay. 
So it's either uh, build the hospital there, mm-hmm. and the artwork never will ever be discovered again, or destroy it. I mean, it's going to sit in a box. Nobody's going to be able to come view it, mm-hmm. right? Right. So the question is, is it wrong to destroy a great art, even if it's... Never seen. Never seen. Does art have value? Yeah, that's an interesting If it's never one. seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first reaction is just blow it up if nobody's going to be able to see it. Um, you know, if, you, if say it was in, like, a glass case that couldn't be moved, and at least people could could see it um instead of a hospital that that would be a an interesting one um, well it's a box that's completely okay opaque you don't right you right. know but on the outside it says this contains a statue by michelangelo or something right what i'm saying is i think like on first my first thought is it would be tougher if you could see it that would make it more even for me if it was like a statue that you could see okay versus a statue that you can't see that seems to me my first thought would be yes just blow it up but you Um, know this has a great piece of art in it right yeah right but my first thought is yeah just blow it up okay Um, my second thought is like when you phrase it as does art have worth in and of itself my first my thought is yes um like someone who um, paints a painting that no one will ever see because they're not famous. Right. Or, so, or somebody who writes a book, but then they die and nobody reads it. It still seems to me that that would have worth. Because it had worth for the creator of the the art. They yeah. found found meaning in creating it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So when you phrase it that way, it seems to me it would have worth. Um, but then the question is, is it worth more than, um, in this more case, a, a hospital? In this case, right. a hospital. Yeah, because mm-hmm. if, they, if they don't blow it up, then they'll have to abandon building the hospital there. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess my gut reaction is um, we all got along without it. So go ahead okay. and blow it up. So Do you have if, any other wrinkles? If art is only valuable if seen, then mm-hmm. shouldn't all the famous pieces be, be available for everybody to see for the public mm-hmm. and not just like replicas, but shouldn't we have the actual pieces available mm-hmm. and not, you know, only the wealthy and the privileged mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. get in to see them and so forth? Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, yeah. Uh, in an ideal world, we'd all have enough food to eat. We'd all... Uh, be able to have access to all the great art and we'd all have Wi-Fi and, uh, you know, all the comforts of life, ideally. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So you would just blow up the new Michelangelo's uh, King Solomon. Uh, yes, and I don't put uh, the moral blame on myself. I put it on the booby trapper <laughs> for the destruction of this uh, this art. Well, they were trying to make sure that this piece would last and not get ravaged by time or by people just uh, looking to sell it for the for the highest price or something like that. Right. So they were they were trying to preserve great art. 
So they put a bomb next to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think if it was uh, like it was a glass box and it was booby trapped, and if you touched it, it would explode. Um, I might say for that one, you keep should it. leave. You should okay. keep it. Okay. All so, right. That is an interesting one. All right. So number ten, the Cyberman. Number nine, living in a vat. Number eight, art for art's sake. Number mm-hmm. seven, the Joker conundrum. Okay. That's just what I came up with uh, the name for. Okay. Uh, and this one comes from the Dark Knight, uh, and okay. it is Joker's conundrum of two barges of people mm-hmm. um and each one has a bomb on it okay one hat one barge has convicted felons and the other has ordinary citizens on it yeah each barge holds the de- detonators for the other barge's bomb mm-hmm. um if one will detonate the other then the joker will spare the one that detonated right but if if uh, they refuse, if they both refuse, then they're both going to die. So, right. you are on the barge of civilians. What are you going to choose? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's easy to sit here and say one thing and uh, without being in that situation, I can't say what I would do. But I hope that I would not blow up the other boat. I hope I would. No, that is a, those are weasel words. What would you do? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I can sit here and say I would. Well, I, I would not allowed push the button. in the moral dilemmas to say. Well, I hope I would not do this. I was told I must choose, and therefore yeah. I say to you, sir. Well, I'm saying the morally correct thing to do would be not to push the button, okay. not blow up the other boat. So I hope I would do the right thing. Okay. And I hope I could. You know, uh, dive in front of a bullet to save somebody, or I—I I hope I could, um, you know, give my life for for some good cause. But all I'm saying is, it's easy to say the words. It's easy to say I wouldn't have gone along with the Nazis if I was in in right. Germany. But there was a lot of good people that just went along with it right. because it's easy to go go along and not uh, stick your neck out. So. If I was in the mob, I wouldn't have called for Jesus to be crucified. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'll say morally, uh, you should not. Um, yeah. I, it is an interesting one because would you be saving life in that case by by uh, pushing the button? Mm. I um, mean, and these are... I mean, these are bad, bad people that you're mm-hmm. killing off. The world's going to be a better place without them. Mm-hmm. And you're saving the lives of the good citizens. Right. Yeah, I'm, I am, uh, so if you, if we had one, uh, we haven't, I don't think we've really discussed uh, capital punishment on any of these, but I am probably, um, I, I would have been for capital punishment, several years ago i'm i'm either at the point of no capital punishment so no executing criminals or uh you only execute um uh speaking of the dark knight in the case of someone like the guy that shot up the theater that was obviously um uh you know unrepentant and Mm -hmm. and a mass murderer uh that's the only situation i think i would 
I would consider where it's very obvious that they did it, um, you know, no doubt, and they admit to it, and they're unrepentant, mm. that type thing. Um, but in general, I'm against capital punishment because of um, life being sacred. Mm-hmm. And so I would say not blowing up the ship, even okay. though it's hardened criminals. And it's going to result in everybody dying. Right. So, yeah. So you could make the argument that you're saving life right. by blowing up the other ones. They're going to die anyway. But um, I think if you push the button, you are then responsible for their deaths. If you don't push the button, you're not responsible for anyone's deaths. Okay. Um, so. So on uh, the previous one, mm-hmm. uh, you would have been in favor of just letting the trolley uh, run over the five people uh, on the track instead of throwing the switch to divert it onto one because that way you're not responsible for okay. the deaths. I think that's the that's consistent with what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Just just trying to figure out where you land. Okay. So that was number seven. Number six is from Star Trek the original series, A Taste of Armageddon. Okay, so on that one, yes. they land on I mean it's not a super Super interesting episode per se, but I found well, the hook is interesting. That, yeah, the uh, the thought of it is interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, so on this planet that they land on, uh, warfare is conducted through simulations because they found that it was just too messy, um, you know, and buildings were destroyed, and great art, and in history, and and culture and so forth was destroyed through war mm-hmm. and so what they do is when they conduct bombings and so forth uh wherever the quote-unquote bombs land uh in the simulation then people in those areas have to report to extermination camps or whatever mm-hmm. uh and they're very painlessly it's volunteer yeah yeah they, they just all decide, they yeah. go on their own um mm-hmm. And they're, they're very painlessly put to death. You know, they just go to sleep in there. Yeah. But they are killed. Right. Um, so, uh, should certain types of warfare be avoided? Like, muster... Uh, so, based on that, uh, should, in real life, certain types of warfare be avoided? Like, mustard gas or nuclear the nuclear bomb? Or does anything go against combatants? Now, I am going mm-hmm. to say... Uh, I do not believe in in for this scenario. Um, um, war should not be against innocents, uh, civilians. Yeah, civilians. Um, so so that's that's you don't have to factor that in. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is just against you know the other side's army. Okay. So, uh, should certain types of warfare be avoided in real life war? Because if war isn't messy, won't we end up in a that type of situation? Ah, okay, I see. Isn't I see it better to have it as messy and horrifying as possible, mm-hmm. so that the war will be a lot more likely to end sooner? Because with the nuclear bombs, mm-hmm. that that was what brought about the end of World War Two. Right. Um. Now they did drop the nuclear bomb on civilians. Oh, okay. Both of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're on cities, so it's not a uh, yeah 
Not a city just populated by That's true. soldiers. Soldiers. Um, so it's it's a little bit hard in that ca- in the case okay. of an atom bomb because it's because it's uh at such a large scale. If you're talking about something like mustard gas, mm-hmm. that can be more surgical. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Okay, and I mean it's part. I guess there's a a continuum, a range where if you go back to oh, I don't know, 17th century, and you had the rules of battle of you march in your columns and you mm-hmm. you stand up in front of each other and and you shoot across the field and um, you know you're not running and ducking behind trees and such um, and so that's at at one side of of having rules and then the other side is just anything goes um, right but so is that, there a breaking point well in that rules where it's too much it was still very very messy. I mean, it's tough to be on the front lines. True. Um, but I guess I'm saying, um, hmm. It still seems to me that there are, there comes a point where you do something that's inhumane, that's inhuman, that's not okay in any situation. Okay. So I don't know where exactly that line is. Have we reached it? Uh-huh. Um, but, hmm, yeah. So like, so if we want to go back to mustard gas, is, I, I don't know a lot about the effects of mustard gas. I know it's, uh, it's it do, pretty does awful. permanent damage, yeah, yeah. And very painful. Um, uh, I believe that was, we, we were reading through uh, lists of, of crazy bad experiments that have been done through history. I think there was, I think the Navy mustard gassed some sailors. I don't remember if they knew, knew what they were volunteering for or not and permanently damaged some people. Wow. Um, so yeah. Uh, what was the, what was the actual question for this one? I'll give a, I'll give an answer. Say the question. Would again. it be better to have war be messy mm-hmm. and pretty horrifying so that it makes us want gotcha. to end it gotcha. more quickly? Yeah, I think that is definitely a, a very good question, uh, a, def- a good uh, connection between those two um, that I hadn't put together before. I think, yes, it should be. I think they were they were right in the Star Trek episode that it shouldn't be completely painless. Um, I think they were right that that would that would perpetuate war. Um, although it's kind of unrealistic that people would just right. voluntarily right. go go sit in their in their uh, rooms. But you know, it works um, for this type of scenario. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that is ro- more wrong than actual messy war, but. I'll have my cake and eat it too and say there is a point where, uh, I mean, war is terrible. War is terrible, but there do need to be rules. Yeah. And if we could um, ban nuclear weapons across the board, then that would be ideal. Of course, in that situation, if if one person gets them (laughs) 
<laughs> everybody is then yeah uh they have too much power everybody else right. so it's you know the situation where we're we're all mm-hmm. kind of at uh oh, whatever it is a standstill uh, mexican uh, standoff yeah. yeah stalemate is probably best i guess okay for that particular situation yeah huh that's a good one all right my number five um i'll give you the name in a little bit okay uh, but here is what's happening. You have landed a well-paying job and have been sworn to secrecy on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you're in, you find something that you feel the world needs to know about. Okay. Some, some knowledge that you have, you need to share with them. Now, the not the lot, the, ah, man, stumbling over my words here. The knowledge is not life-threatening, but... It is an invasion of privacy, a terrible invasion. I figured this was the Edward Snowden. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. I, I wanted to tease it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So this, we're going to call this one the Snowden. Yeah. Uh, now, if you reveal it to the public, you'll be branded a traitor and, of mm-hmm. course, you lose your job. Mm-hmm. So my question is, is it okay to break the law in order to blow the whistle on wrong or illegal practices? Or right. To protect American freedoms, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you promised not to reveal these secrets. Right. But now you're breaking your word. Right. Are you really a hero? Right. Right. Um, I think that yes, there there comes a point where um, it's a greater injustice to stay silent than to blow the whistle even if it's breaking the law and uh, obviously that's a very serious decision and you can argue if if uh if edward snowden was was correct if it was a a great enough um crime i guess against against the public uh to make that decision um I think it was. I think he was justified in in that. Um, now, I mean, there's a bunch of nuances with that. Like, there are some whistleblowers that uh, reveal information that could cost people lives, right? So I think right. um, if you're revealing military secrets, something like that, that I don't, uh, and it's going to cost people lives, then uh, well, that's obviously that very the despicable. Is spying on it. Mm-hmm. You know. Right, but that's not going to cost someone in the United States military uh, their life as the same as... Oh, I suppose you mean as, like, revealing to our enemies. Right, like military okay. secrets. Okay. Like, there's whistleblowers that that sold um, military secrets to okay. the Russians or whatever. Um, in this case, he tried to minimize, um, you know, he, tried, he did everything he could to where it wasn't going to... Um, he wasn't going to re- reveal information that was going to okay. put people in danger, right? Um, and he wasn't doing it for personal gain. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's another difference uh, between him and some other whistleblowers. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, for the general question, it is it is right to break the law if it's a, I guess you could say if it's an emergency, Okay. If it's a, if it's going to be worse, not to. Okay. Um. So, like another situation would be, 
Um, I have another situation. Okay, go ahead. All right, what about David DeLayden uh, secretly recording conversations with Planned Parenthood about the sale of aborted babies' parts? Uh, I'm not really familiar with that situation. Um, but so the question would be to break you breaking the law by recording things yeah uh, without somebody's permission mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that, but that sounds to, like a hor- horrific situation to expose, yeah what so they're doing i would say oh and also with both these situations um it doesn't mean there's no consequences or that there shouldn't be consequences okay but i think you reach a point where uh it you accept the consequences for that act and it, the consequences are worth okay taking that act so um uh should someone be in trouble for secretly recording someone i don't know if that's a, a an actual felony um I, I don't know what level of crime that is okay but it should probably be punished because it's against the law however mm-hmm. um yeah i mean that's horrendous mm-hmm. people are are selling selling baby parts so yeah it would be right to to blow, to blow. the whistle on okay. that mm-hmm. it would be the same as like uh, uh so dan carlin has talked about uh torture you know is it okay to torture and his his kind of position on it uh, which i find compelling is you should make it illegal to torture and anyone that does it should be punished um but then uh you know people always say well what if you get to that situation where the world is going to end if you don't uh, torture the the terrorists to find out where the bomb is. Mm-hmm. And so um, in that situation, then it's probably you morally justified exception. to okay. break the law and do something morally wrong to prevent something even worse. Okay. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't, it shouldn't be illegal. That doesn't mean that person then that makes that decision shouldn't face consequences even if it ends up that they they save the world did the right thing okay yeah. so that's kind of my my thoughts on it right now so you would blow the whistle and then accept the consequences i mean and that's another one where i think it was i think edward snowden was justified in doing it could i do that could i give up my entire life mm-hmm. uh in that situation that would be pretty tough okay that'd be very difficult to move to a whole new country um, I mean, he doesn't have family to worry about, so that's a, diff- a little different situation. Mm-hmm. It, but I assume he has parents or brothers or sisters mm-hmm. or friends that he's never going to see again. Um, so it's definitely a sacrifice. Okay. Yeah. All right. That was number five. Number four comes from the movie Gattaca. I've uh, referenced yes. several movies and shows now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this one, science has advanced to the point where you can choose your baby's genes. Yeah. Should you? What if you could keep them from getting sick mm-hmm. um, or from being born with deformities mm-hmm. or from having tendencies towards certain sins? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, sure. They're not violent a kleptomaniac. rages. Yeah, mm-hmm. or, uh, or even just a ten- I think in Gattaca, they... Re- they Talk about they'll have a proclivity towards drunkenness, so mm-hmm. we'll remove that, you know. Right. Are you morally obligated to choose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is a definitely an interesting one because there's different. You could say any sort of tampering is right is wrong. You're playing God. Yeah. No. No. This isn't like oh, I want them to have blue eyes instead of brown eyes. You know. Well, this is this is serious. Uh, uh, I know. You know, choosing. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's yeah. different. There's different points all again along the spectrum where, I I, I someone could say, making any sort of change, eye color, okay, or or gender or, or taking away, um, yeah, a proclivity towards alcoholism or or something, um, anything small or big, I could see someone saying is wrong. I could see someone saying, it's okay to do something small like picking the eye color but not to do those big things. And I could see someone saying, well, uh, it would be okay to make sure someone doesn't feel, you know, obligated to, or not obligated, but doesn't feel like they have to, to do the, do something wrong or they're not as likely to do something wrong. Um, and you're saying even possibly, are you morally obligated to prevent someone from doing something wrong or to the or best from of your ability preventing someone from right. having some disease because they still have the free will to you know they might still end up becoming a thief you know or whatever yeah, yeah. but you're doing what you can to hinder that just as a parent we do what we can to yeah. teach our children morals and prevent them from turning out to be bad people right uh, my knee-jerk reaction is any sort of tampering is a bad idea. Um, and I think, practically speaking, it's a bad idea because um, because it could be used for... It could be used by people that... Uh, like, I mean, what if Hitler got, got his hands on this kind of thing? That kind of Well, in practical... this scenario, it's only being used... I know. I know. I'm saying... We're narrowing the possibilities, sir. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm saying in real life, I'm, I'm very, I'd be very nervous, um, to, to further this because I don't know how you, I don't know how you ensure that only moral people can, right, can do it. Oh, I know. I I agree with you on that. I'm right. So it's too close to playing God. So there's that. So that's my knee jerk. Um, but is it actually morally wrong? And if you used it for good purposes, would that be wrong? I mean, I guess I'd, I don't know. That there'd be a difference between um, preventing someone from getting disease, or they, you know, say you could change their genes and they would never get cancer, or they were going to have Down syndrome and now they now they don't, or I don't, I don't know what mm -hmm. kinds of things you would you would be able to change just from the genetics. But uh, I guess I don't see a, a moral difference between that and giving someone uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. Or to, a vaccine. To fix something. Or, yeah, or yeah, a vaccine. polio. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I guess I would say I, I don't think you'd be morally required to fix it, but I think you would be morally justified to fix it. Okay. And I think you'd be morally fine picking other things like I want blue eyes or I want a girl. Um, I think that I don't think that's morally wrong. I personally 
don't I wouldn't do it and I don't think we should for the practical reasons but I think it's not inherently wrong okay what do you think about this one well I kind of think um like you said it I don't know that it would be wrong or right to interfere I mm-hmm. but like morally justified you know to get rid of uh you know, proclivities towards uh, wrongdoing or whatever. I, mm-hmm. But I would, I would still hesitate on you know picking the eye color or the gender. Uh, that still would feel, uh, you know, even with the best of in- intentions and not you know any agendas or whatever at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, that still would seem to me to be a little bit too much like playing God. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me turn it around to you and give a twist on it. What if, and I don't know, I I don't know if this is the case, but I think it's the case. Uh, so in a culture where it's really important to have a son, uh, I assume like in China, uh, more girls are aborted than boys. So if there are people that are having babies and then having or conceiving and then having abortions until they get what they want or if people are having um you know they're going to abort a child that has serious health defects mm-hmm. so if you allow this genetic manipulation and then you have fewer of those abortions then are you obligated to do that. Hmm. <laughs> I think in that case, I would say that would be all right because mm-hmm. you are sparing a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then are you, should you, must you make that available because... <laughs> I would say no, because um, it's going to be abused. Right. Because we're all sinners and wretched fallen creatures. True. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting one, too. All right. All right. right. Number three, another movie, Schindler's List. Okay. Okay. Is it all right to help someone die? In Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, this was one of the moments in a very striking mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. that just really was a punch to the heart for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this uh, housing area where the Nazis are coming in and they are shooting everybody in there. Mm-hmm. And it shows this, like, assisted living facility. Mm-hmm. Um Old people uh, or very elderly and infirm and sick, um, they are being given little cups of poison mm-hmm. by the, like, the caregivers. And it, one of the women even smiles a thank you mm-hmm. uh, as she drinks it. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that wrong that... And then just a few minutes later in the movie, it shows the Nazis come in and they shoot up the dead bodies. Right. Uh, right. Just to make sure that everybody's dead. Right. Um, well, I would say I I don't think that is okay. I don't okay. think 
avoiding pain is... Uh, so the people are committing suicide because they hand them the cup and it's their choice. Right. Um, so I guess that would be another tack you could take. Would it be okay for them to just run through and inject people without them knowing? Okay. Um, that could be a separate question. Right. Um, I no, would in, say, this, in this case, in like this case the, the individual is right. freely making... Right. Is assisted suicide in that case. Right. Um, um, so is it moral for the the nurse or is it moral for the person taking it? Um, I just, I, I would say no. My, I think that, that avoiding pain is not a, a valid reason to commit suicide. Um, All right. Well, let me read to you Proverbs 31, 6 and 7. Okay. And see what you think. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, mm-hmm. and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Yeah. Okay, so it's especially there, him that is ready to perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, so it sounds like it's okay, someone that's dying, uh, help ease their way out. Um, yeah, you, you might inter- not be giving them the poison per mm-hmm. se, but you're... You're giving them a sedative to just ease them down uh, painlessly. And so what if, you know, what if the poison mm. was the same way? It's not going to uh, hurt them. And, and it's just they're going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. But right. they're easing their way in. Right. Yeah, I can see that argument. Um, and I would say, and I can see how you could argue it from that passage. But I would say from that, I would say, uh, and I'm repeating myself. But you could give them a sedative or painkiller or or alcohol to remove pain, but not actually kill them. Um, Just still from the same principle of life being sacred. And um, I mean, it is a gray area. Definitely. Like if you're if you were. Well, I have a few more uh, questions regarding this one. Okay, sure. Uh, so, uh, what if someone has an aggressive cancer and mm-hmm. knows they're going to die? Yeah. Uh, now they can uh, take a risky treatment that will be expensive and probably won't work. Mm-hmm. And it's ca- going to cause a great deal of pain. And, yeah. I mean, even then, it's only going to maybe extend their lives for six months or whatever. Right. Or they can refuse treatment and just die off that quicker. Right. Is that okay? Because there, you know, there's... Uh, they're still, uh, g- in that case, practically committing suicide by refusing treatment. I mean, mm-hmm. let's change it that the treatment has a chance of getting them better. Yeah. But it would be a lot of money, you know, and it, it is risky, and it would not be an easy road. Sure. And you could move those parameters around right. to say, you know, it's 1% chance of recovery or 10% right. chance, and it's... A hundred thousand dollars, or it's one million dollars, right? And uh, depending exactly where you put those, it, I think it does make a difference. But I, I do think that action is different than inaction. So someone refusing treatment because has a low likelihood of success, or because it's, you know, they they don't want to put their family into a million dollars into debt 
for an extra month of life or, um, you know, they're not going to get better Mm -hmm. in that situation, but they could prolong their life so they could live in a hospital bed for six months or they could live at home for six weeks or something like that. Um, I think you are, I think that that has to be a choice that you make and I don't think either choice is wrong. Okay. So I think if you decide I'm not going to take the the treatment because of one of those reasons, I th- I think that's all right, and I, th- I think that's different than suicide. Okay. Well, now, what if... Uh, so they've rejected the chance to live. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be wrong, then, if that's okay mm-hmm. for them to choose that chance at life? What yeah. would be wrong for them to choose, then, to have one great last day where they... They do all their favorite things and they, you know, they fulfill their bucket list and they, uh, they see all their family and friends, you know, they, they have one great last day or last week or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they take a cyanide pill. Mm -hmm. Um, and that way they are avoiding the weeks and months of pain as the cancer just shuts down their body. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're still choosing not to live. Uh, but this way they're packing everything down into, you know, mm-hmm. a good week while they're still they're still in possession of their full faculties and stuff. Right. Yeah, I think it's the same answer I gave before that action is different than inaction, okay. and taking the action to end the life is just something you have to take very seriously. Okay. And I mean, obviously, there are cases, you know, wartime situations, or or things like that, but um. This is something that's very serious, and I, I don't think avoiding pain. Right. Okay. Um, or, I mean, it's the same as I would say if somebody has migraine headaches or something causing, causing them a lot, of, a lot of pain, and I've never lived through something like that, but, um, and I'm not saying it's, I, I think it's understandable, but somebody that commits suicide because they're just in so much pain, they live in pain, and or maybe it's emotional pain, and um, you know, every day is is hellish for them, and um, they choose to commit suicide. I don't think that's right. Okay. I don't think uh, ending pain is yeah is a valid reason. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, it's understandable, but yeah, um, you know there is there is still worth. In a life that's filled with pain. Yeah. And in meaning that can be found. So. Right. All right. That was number three, Schindler's List. We're down to the last two. The Custom of the Sea. This one comes from the podcast Lore. Mm. Episode 122 uh, called The Shortest Straw. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, let's say... You are marooned at sea, you're, or shipwrecked, and okay. um, you're, it could be you're floating around. Let's say you're shipwrecked at sea, and, and you know you, you got onto the raft, yeah. uh, but you don't have any water uh, or food. One of your shipmates has died. Mm-hmm. There is no hope of rescue on the horizon okay. that you know of. Mm-hmm. Should you eat your shipmate? Um, I don't know that I could. 
but I don't think it would be wrong to. Okay. All right. I, I don't, uh, I mean, it's... So you think cannibalism is okay if, you 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 know, they're already dead and that's the only food source? I think it's certainly repugnant. Okay. And again, I don't know that I could do it. Um, yeah, I don't see that I could do it, but... I don't know. Maybe maybe you get to a certain certain place where you're so hungry you could do could do things you wouldn't have imagined. Um okay. and there does seem something wrong with desecrating a body even after it's even after it's dead. I mean, mm-hmm. um uh Christians have traditionally buried uh dead bodies instead of cremating. Mm-hmm. Uh because um you know, as a picture of future, future resurrection, resurrection, glorification. Um, so there is, and uh, it is at least partly them in a way, right? Yeah. Even after they're dead. Yeah. So it seems I mean, wrong to desecrate them, but, but it's all gonna go to pieces in the grave anyway, and God's gonna completely remake it anyway. So I don't know. I don't really have a problem with cremation, but that's an aside. Oh, I wouldn't do cremation. Don't cremate me. Okay. I don't know. I mean. God's going to have to put that body back together anyway. Yeah, it it might just be a picture, but it is a it is a picture. Okay. It, it's been an important one for thousands of years, so I'll I'll okay. sign on to it. All right. So you were saying? Yeah, so I think it would be a greater wrong to die when you could have possibly lived. Okay. All right. Now, what if the person is not dead yet, mm-hmm. but you can tell they, I mean, they're a goner. Say they're going to die in the next, in the next day. Okay. But you have to eat today mm-hmm. in order to see tomorrow. Okay. Would it be all right to kill them uh, so that you could mm-hmm. eat and then find tomorrow? Right. They're going to die anyway. Uh, so couldn't you kill them? Uh, I think it's the same as previous ones. Assisted suicide. Action versus okay. inaction. And now, what if they're conscious sacred. Uh-huh. and they understand they're going to die, and yeah. they say, "Just go ahead and kill me." Is it, does that doesn't change anything? Mm. Action versus inaction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, or they're they're like, uh, yeah. Um, that is an interesting one, because it could be something like, uh, you know, um, the hot air balloon is sinking because there's too many people on it. Right. And so I'm going to jump off and sacrifice myself. Right. So I committed suicide, but I saved others. I don't think that's suicide in that case, right? Okay. Choosing to die to save someone else. All right. Right. So in this case... Would you be right to sacrifice yourself so that somebody else could live? Um, I, I still, I think it might still have to be. Oh man, that's interesting. Would it have to be the person themselves pulling the trigger? For example, if if we have a gun here, right? In the situation, so say I'm the one that's dying, 
and is it all right for you to take your life as opposed to we do you in right even though it's with your permission right right uh, hmm maybe maybe it would be okay if it's the person's choice to sacrifice themselves maybe i guess yes tentative yes that would be okay hmm yeah that's interesting yeah well, if you think that's you interesting, think that uh, you should listen to The Shortest Straw. Mm. Uh, it's uh, uh, based on this thing called The Custom of the Sea, where up until 1884, mm-hmm. it was all right uh, legally for uh, seamen lost at sea to eat their sh- shipmates. You know, it, and it, I mean, not just start turning on each other and, and killing each other, but... If someone was a goner, then, like, everybody understood and there was sympathy that, Mm -hmm. I mean, tough luck, bro, that you had to eat your shipmate uh, in order to make it back. So What changed in 1884? uh, In 1884, uh, people just started to, uh, well, why don't you just listen to the episode? Hmm. He, He puts it a little more clearly than I can. Like, like there's an actual law against it, like an international law or U.S. Uh, cannibalism, law? at least in England, became it started um, among ship people, uh, seafaring okay. people. It became oh, I see. it got cracked down on. <laughs> yeah. Huh? So, okay, interesting. It was no longer uh, you. You do what you got to do to survive, bro. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. But it goes back really far up to the Romans even. Mm-hmm. They had the law of necessity mm-hmm. uh takes over. So. Yeah, I guess I'd want to hear the argument from the other side. I guess just it it seems really terrible would be the argument mm-hmm. not to do it. Right. Hmm. Okay. All right, so that was number 2, the custom of the sea. Here we On are. On to number one. Wow. Very we relevant to today. Okay. It's called coronavirus. Ah. All right. So, say a deadly plague. All right. Coronavirus. Yeah, not very, not that deadly. But sure. say, you know, it's like, this is the apocalyptic plague. Okay? okay. It begins sweeping the nation. Yep. Your family is fine and self-sufficient because you're farmers and you grow your own food and you make all your clothing. You know, you're practically mm-hmm. Amish. Uh, but city folk, uh, so us as we are right now, mm-hmm. we come begging to join you on your farm mm-hmm. um, because commerce is shut down. We don't have any way to get food. Mm-hmm. Um, so the city folk claim they're not infected, but there's, you know, you know, there's a 98% chance they are. Mm-hmm. Um, do you refuse them and send them away? And basically sign their death warrant. Mm-hmm. Or, so you can let them stay and get your probably get your family infected. Or send them away to their doom in order to spare your family. Hmm. But, just know, they're, they're not going to be the only ones. You know. There's going to be more city folk. You know. Everybody's yeah. going to be right. trying to get on the ark, as it were. Yeah. Well, the question is, do you save as many as you can? Obviously, you I mean, there is a chance they're not infected. Yeah. Um, Like, what's the level of risk that I'm willing to accept? Uh, Because you are responsible first for your family, for their well-being. I'm not required to 
uh, take food out of my children's mouths to go feed others, for example, right. even outside of a, a pandemic, end of the world situation. Um, but I, I should help others and not only when it's convenient or, or when I want to or when I, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it that way, not just when it benefits me. Maybe I should put it that way. So, hmm. And it is another one of those action versus inaction. Because through inaction, you are killing people. Which is, I think, is different than actively killing someone. Hmm. I guess if it were, well, I don't remember what the numbers you said were. But if it's a like 98% chance that they're infected, uh, then I don't think I could let them in. But I don't okay. know at what point. I was going to ask next, yeah. 20%. What are the odds where you... Mm-hmm. Right. And we're, we're simplifying this, of course, and not saying there's right. a third option of you quarantine them in the shed for a week <laughs> or whatever. This is... It has to be they're in now or they're out. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, that is a tough one. Do you do you risk your life and your family's lives for the possibility of saving others? And like you're saying, there's you can't save everyone, but saying you can't save everyone isn't an excuse for not saving some. Um, it's the same with um, I've heard people say you uh, saying you can't. Uh, you can't give to every charitable cause is an excuse for yeah. not giving to anyone or or for helping everyone in need. Saying you can't help everyone in need is an excuse for to not help anyone. So you should you should treat the people you come across as and uh, as if as you would if you could help everybody, that kind of thing. Um oh man. This might be the toughest one of the night. Well, I'm glad I put it as number one. Yeah. Um. I guess I don't know. I don't know what at point at what point you would you would let them in. I mean, obviously, if it's like five percent chance, then you let them in. If it's ninety five percent chance, you don't. But I don't know. I don't know where that switches over. Okay. So I don't know. Um. Uh, I don't know that I could put a number on it. I think I would just have to be in that situation and it'd probably be very emotional, emotionally driven at that point, right? You couldn't, I don't know that I could sit down and make a... Now, if it's uh, strangers versus family, mm -hmm. so say it's aunts and uncles uh -huh. uh, or cousins or even your brother and sister or something mm -hmm. like that, uh, and there's a ch good chance that they're infected, would you mm -hmm. turn them away? Right. Well, if it's your Versus. family, I'm turning them away. If it's my family. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be diff more difficult to turn away family. Uh, so uh, if it's 95% chance and it's parents or siblings, probably let them in, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I guess yes. If it's like cousins, they're or... a little bit further along the food chain, right? Yeah, uh, not I guess. 
or what if it's okay so here's another one um uh we it's it's just a famine it's not pandemic it's just famine okay we have enough food for our family for a year but the and more people, people come knock on add. our door and say mm. we don't have any food and we're gonna starve should we give food to everyone that asks or just eat uh, save the food for us and maybe we can make it until right well, famine's over i think my my inclination would be to give Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Christian, because right. give to him that asketh, asketh of thee, uh, the liberal soul shall be made fat. Um, yeah. You know, that's taking, it would it would come down to a matter of faith and relying on God to provide for us beyond what we can see. We've made our plans, we've done what we can to provide for us, but also, you know, God's blessed us with all this so that we can in turn try to bless others. Right, but what if we have now, it just enough be a- for our family for a year or everyone that asks we can feed them for a day and we know we're all going to die? Yeah, well, so it should would we still- just give it all out? And No, I wouldn't give it all out, but if people came to, it would be, I wouldn't just go out into the streets and here you go, have some food. But if people came yeah, asking. That's what, everyone asked, everyone in the whole town asked and we can all eat for one day. Or, well, then in that case, I'd say the custom of the sea is going to apply beautifully. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. So in that, I mean, in that one, yeah, I don't know how far you go, but I think you're obligated to share food. Well, I think you're not obligated, but I think you should. Right, maybe there's not a difference between obligated and should, I suppose. I would feel like I should share with people but boy that would be definitely hard especially having children right so that definitely makes the difference like if you're talking about i have a farm on my own do i invite the people in that might be might be infected maybe if you set aside some of this is what we're willing to share but we have set aside some that we an amount that no matter what is going to remain for us. And it will shorten the amount of time that we have food um, for, but I don't know, it would still be, we're trying to prepare, who knows? Mm-hmm. So the first 10 people would get, you yeah. give them food, but nobody else. Yeah. Hmm. It might come down to something like that. Mm-hmm. So you'd at least feel good about yourself before you let everybody else starve. Yeah. That's nice. I've done my duty. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Yep, that's a tough one. All right. Well. Wow, we made it. I feel like I maybe got my vengeance. Put me through the ringer. Yeah. I made you think, at least. Yep. You were certainly a lot more eloquent than I was. Yeah, you say that your, a lot. I don't know that that's your true. Your ponderings, mm-hmm. your pursuing of Thinking through all out loud. The, yeah, all the ramifications of these mm-hmm, dilemmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've thought about. Um, you like to think about morbid things. <laughs> I've thought about some of them, to some degree, but uh, I don't know that I'd thought about any of those specifically or most of those specifically. So let me go look at. Uh, let me go look at my list that I've been compiling. Let me see if you covered any of them. Mm, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, the lying to someone on their deathbed was kind of one that I had, although I have a slightly different twist on it that I'll save. Uh, yeah. So, uh, very good. Okay. We definitely got through ten really good ones, and uh, yeah, I bet we could. I bet we could do more episodes of this. Maybe next year we'll try another one. So, wow. I think I'm ready to to call it a night. Yes. Maybe get some ice cream in me. I know. Something. <laughs> something happy. Something cold. Something <laughs> concrete. <laughs> Go sit and watch some YouTube videos or uh, something now. Yeah. Something cheerful. Hmm. Go go read about the wide receiver the, the Eagles oh, drafted brother. tonight. Jalen Ragor. All right. All right. Off of sports. Speedster. TCU. Off of nonsense. So, all right. Well, um, let's get some feedback. I I don't know. Let me go check real quick if we got some feedback from our... Nope. No feedback from our podcasts episode. Um, so you can still go, go give us feedback on that. But also let us know what you thought of these moral dilemmas. I don't know if we got any feedback the first time we did one of these. Uh, so uh, my parents didn't like it. Yeah, that yeah. Was feedback. I think people didn't like that I made you cry. That was a big, uh, big thing apparently. But I think it was, I think it was worth it. <laughs> uh, Brian did not cry through any all right of these scenarios. I didn't. I did not cry. Did not even choke up. But uh, no, it was really good. Uh, so yeah, let let us know if you think. Uh, Especially if you disagree with us on one of them, think we made a mistake, have some some good arguments, uh, one way or the other, or if you had some some uh, other directions that you were thinking, uh, some other twists on on the dilemmas we were thinking of, you can write us email tto at coser.us. You can leave comments on our website again tto.coser.us slash one twenty five go straight to our show notes. I don't know that we'll really have any show notes for this one. Maybe a link to uh, the pig that wants to be eaten. Yeah. And a a list of the names of all of the moral dilemmas that Melissa came up with. But I'd definitely be interested in in hearing some discussion. These are are tough questions. I think it's it's a good part of, of being human to grapple with tough questions. And I I think it's uh, easy to uh, to stay in our our easy lives and never think about some of these things that probably most of us will never have to actually decide in in real life. Um, and to be honest, might not help us if we are in those situations. Might just be overwhelmed and and still have to really uh, really dig deep to to decide what to do. But um, I think it is still still worth it to uh, you know read the books and and watch the movies. Of the kinds that you're talking about with, with some of these deep questions and uh, to ponder on them. Have any other wrap-up thoughts, Melissa? No, I think you covered it. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What are we... I don't know that we know what we're doing next time. We've really been winging it this year, haven't we? We have. So, I'm Brian Kozer. I'm Melissa Kozer. You've been listening to 10 to 1. So here's a dilemma for you.
uh, imagine you hear a baby crying in the other room. Are you morally justified in podcasting instead of picking up the crying baby? No. <laughs> Are you? Is it okay to do something, a hobby, uh, when it will cause pain, uh, suffering? It would be okay if I had something that I wanted to contribute, but I'm done contributing. 